Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. And welcome to you. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. Welcome to you. Thank you for tuning in for this message. I intend to do a fairly short series on Isaiah's Messiah. And so I want to start us out today, and I want to really focus primarily on one chapter from Isaiah. We may expand this into other topics and other chapters and other parts of Isaiah, but I really want to focus on a major chapter in the book of Isaiah concerning Isaiah's Messiah. And I want us to understand what it teaches us. I expect this particular study to be fairly short. As I said, the Lord may lead us to expand it in other directions. But welcome to you, and thank you for tuning in. Isaiah was a major Old Testament prophet. Now, when we say major prophets and minor prophets, we really are not saying in terms of their value or the worth of their messages. We're not saying one's better than the other or one's more important than the other. But we are talking about the content, the amount of content, the perhaps even the length of time that they ministered, and the degree of their ministry. Some were very short. They only ministered a month or a few months or whatever, and they had a smaller message. Others had a lot more messages that they were to deliver. Isaiah is one of those. And Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet or a prophet from the Tanakh, if you're reading from the Hebrew Bible, that gives us lots of prophecies and details about the Jewish coming Messiah that the Tanakh prophesied about. And this is worthy of a deep study throughout. So if the Lord wills and directs us, we may do some further study. But in this particular study, I want to focus and concentrate on the prophecies that many people don't even read nor understand. And we'll see a little bit of this element as we go through because there was a time in the New Testament in the book of Acts when we see this very clearly, that someone was actually reading from this scroll of Isaiah in this section but was not understanding it. So we know that it needs to be expounded on. It needs to be read and it needs to be understood. So I want to take this prophetic word about Isaiah's Messiah, specifically the section focused mostly in Isaiah chapter 53. And we're going to study in this series as we prepare to enter the time when we will celebrate Passover and the remembrance of Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection. So, the first thing I want to do is address the proverbial elephant in the room. Why don't the Jews especially include this in their readings through the year? Are they intentionally avoiding it? Some Christians will say yes. The Jews, many Jews, will say no. It's only one of other prophet portions that they say are not read as well in their parsha and their weekly readings. They claim 
that it's because it has no connection to the Torah. I personally believe that they are incorrect in their assumption there, although they may be very sincere in their belief. We must remember that according to the Apostle Paul, there is some blindness in part that has come to the Jewish people, according to Paul's writing in the book of Romans, chapter 9 through 11. So they may be very sincere in feeling this way, but that does not mean that it's true. And I hope that through this short series, even if you are Jewish and you have felt that way yourself, you might come to understand Isaiah's Messiah through this beautiful chapter. The message Isaiah prophesies about here is also all through the Torah. It does have a connection to the Torah. Every sacrifice in the Torah points to Jesus. Every priestly service and the priesthood itself points to Yeshua. There are types and shadows that abound in the Tanakh and in the Torah, pointing to Christ. The patriarchs themselves point us to Christ, especially in places like Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22 clearly shows forth the message of Yeshua, the Messiah. The promise of Isaac foreshadowing the coming Messiah was speaking and pointing to Christ. You find that very clearly expounded on by the Apostle Paul, who was a Jewish rabbi, a Pharisee of the Pharisees at one time, schooled under Gamaliel, very knowledgeable in the Tanakh in every way. And he writes in Galatians chapter 3 about some of these very points. Paul tells us in that chapter that the law or the Torah is our schoolmaster to bring us to Yeshua, the Messiah. That's its purpose. Let's look at that in Galatians chapter 3. And I want to begin the reading in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So in these few verses, Paul is telling us here that one of the curses of the law, one of the demands of the law is that you had to meet every point. You couldn't be guilty of failing anything. And the Jews tell us there are 613 commandments. So every single day, you would have had to be faithful and obey all 613. We can't even obey in one given day all 10 that Moses wrote on the tablets of stone, much less 613. So no one can be justified by the law in the sight of God. And even one of the prophets that he quotes here tells us that because he says the just shall live by faith. Verse 12, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. In other words, the law was given as a works law. You got to keep it by doing 
stuff yourself. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it's only a man's covenant, yet if it is affirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. Here he's talking about the promise that God had given to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. And he tells us here the law didn't come till 430 years later. But even the law cannot annul or override the promise that God had given to Abraham. Verse 18, For if the inheritances of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. In other words, the promise, the Abrahamic covenant, supersedes the Mosaic covenant of the law. So he continues on, verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. In other words, absolutely, positively not. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Praise be to God. So Paul is telling us here that the Torah... The law is our tutor. It was a schoolmaster to point us and lead us to Jesus. So Paul establishes, even right here, the connection in several ways to this very chapter, chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah. And we're going to look more deeply into Isaiah's Messiah. So although many Jews may sincerely accept or believe the reasoning that it has no connection to the Torah, yet the scriptures clearly establish the Torah connection with Yeshua the Messiah. The same Messiah Isaiah here will speak of and point us to. He also does it in other places in his book, such as in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, Isaiah 7 verse 14, and Isaiah chapter 11, etc. 
this particular section that we're going to look at to cover Isaiah 53 actually begins in Isaiah 52 and continues through chapter 53. I want us to note the connection in these chapters with the context of these chapters surrounding it. Isaiah 52 speaks of how God will redeem his people. In Isaiah 52, we find the passage about the beautiful feet in verse 7, also spoken of by the prophet Nahum in Nahum chapter 1, and affirmed by the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10. Some with beautiful feet are going to be the tellers of the good news that God is sending to his people, Isaiah tells us here. God's telling them he's got a plan, and he's going to bring good news in the near future to them. Verse 9 of chapter 52 speaks of how God's going to redeem his people. Verse 10, I want to read this to you, of Isaiah 52 says this, The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This is just kind of a bird's eye glimpse of how that redemption is going to come and be done. So God gives us a little snippet in verse 10, showing exactly what is in his plan and how it's going to be accomplished. Then when we come to chapters 54 and 55 coming behind it, it helps us form the whole of the context. Because let's consider this. Chapter 54 is what I call the inheritance chapter. It, in verse 5, hails the Redeemer who's to come. In verse 7 and 8, it hails the Lord their Redeemer and His love and mercy for them to bring them a gift of salvation. It speaks of the covenant of peace. You can't have a covenant of peace with God on your own merits. It doesn't happen. So it's telling us there is a coming covenant of peace. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we find out that it comes only through justification by faith alone, which is explicitly revealed in Isaiah chapter 53. In verse 17 of chapter 54, it speaks of the righteousness that comes from their Redeemer, not their own righteousness. Chapter 55 continues and gives us an invitation to everyone to come and drink. You don't have to have any money. It's without money. Receive this wonderful gift by faith alone. Partake of the offer of this everlasting covenant with your Redeemer. Then he goes on in chapter 55 and he speaks about how God's word will never return to him void, but it will always accomplish what he said, even when it takes hundreds or thousands of years in some cases. For instance, the coming of Jesus, his birth specifically, was approximately 4,000 years from the time the word was given forth in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and approximately 750 years from the time Isaiah the prophet spoke in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So the context of these chapters are all about redemption and God's good news as he offers the beautiful gift of covenant to them. 
So Isaiah 53 fits perfectly and expands on this revelation from God. And as we said in Isaiah 52 verse 10, we have a beginning clue, a brief glimpse of what God has planned, a brief glimpse of the cross that Jesus would bear and what it will mean. I want to begin the reading as we draw near to a close for this lesson in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. So first off, in this section, in the closing verses of chapter 52, he tells us first off exactly who Isaiah is talking about because he defines him here for us as God's servant. The same servant that Isaiah had already prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth, with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. So Isaiah has already told us who this servant is in Isaiah chapter 11. It's the coming one, God's servant. It says in Isaiah 52 here that he will deal prudently. He will have intelligence and give attention to he will be wise and wisely understand. He'll be circumspect, prudent, and have insight or comprehension. His end result, he will be exalted. He will be raised. He will rise. This could be symbolic and prophetic of the result of what he did, but it also can speak prophetically of his coming position in that he was raised from the dead and then ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He is exalted. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 tells us that he has been exalted and granted the name that is above every other name. He is exalted. He tells us he will also be extolled. He will be lifted, lifted high in praise and adoration because of his name and his work. He will receive the glory due his name. It's his just due. He has earned it. And he will be raised and exalted very high. Note that the prophetic word here is speaking in the past tense. We'll notice that as we go through here. To God, it's already happened because he sees the end from the beginning. It's a done deal. So Isaiah has given this word prophetically in surety that it is certain. It's already even considered and counted as done and a past event by God in the way that he describes it here. 
He tells us that Jesus' appearance, the Messiah's appearance, so many will see him and be astonished, stunned at what they see because his appearance is marred and disfigured. Isaiah is telling us here that this servant, this prophetic word about the coming Messiah, he's going to have his appearance marred and disfigured by the end of his suffering. So much so that it stands out apart strongly and clearly because no other person has ever been so disfigured. He will be almost to the point of being unrecognizable. He tells us here even his form, his shape, his appearance, his figure, his whole body, in other words, will be disfigured, contorted, distorted, broken up, and nearly unrecognizable as a human being anymore. But note in Isaiah 52, verse 15, he says that the result of this will be that he will sprinkle many nations. He will besprinkle them. In the scriptures, it's primarily used in expiation. In other words, in sacrifice and in atonement. So even the Gentiles, the mass of people on the earth, will be sprinkled because of Jesus. This sprinkling to Isaiah, in his mind and in his understanding, spoke of atoning blood sacrifices. It was accomplished by the blood of a pure, unblemished animal on the altar of God for atonement and forgiveness. It also spoke of the sprinkling of the living waters of purification or separation. We find more about this sprinkling in Exodus, Numbers 19, and all through the book of Leviticus. Out of 24 times this word is used in the Old Testament, 22 of them are always in reference to a sacrifice for atonement or cleansing. Jesus, the Messiah, Isaiah's Messiah, will have this ability to sprinkle many people, the masses of people that will come to him and will be able to atone for them and cleanse them. Kings will be astonished at him and the work that he accomplishes because they weren't even told about all of this that he will do. But now God is going to give them revelation knowledge to see and behold and understand his great work. God will make it evident. Although this servant will suffer to the point hinted here, it will be worth it in the end because of what he will accomplish through his suffering that will come to the whole world. All who will be believe in him and receive him. This is only a synopsis in Isaiah 52 to whet the appetite for what's coming in his next chapter. And I want us to go there in the next lesson. Praise be to God that Isaiah gave us so much detail about the coming Messiah. And I pray that we will be able to understand it by the end of this short study. God bless you today. Thank you for tuning in, and I pray this has been a blessing to you. May the Lord richly bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.